We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody. It's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 26th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Derek Van Riper uh, is uh, with me from, I just checked the weather in Madison, Wisconsin. According to weather.com, it is minus two degrees there, Derek. How, how's that going? Hey, you know, it's about minus. Uh five i think on the way back uh, for where i came this one i was in milwaukee I drove back to madison so it was colder where i was when i left even though it's probably warmer there now the way the lake works it's warmer by the lake and you know more mild in the summer and all that so yeah it's not fun uh it's 53 degrees inside my apartment as we record we should have turned the heat down to like 60 for the two days we were gone instead of turning it off. So lesson learned there. Uh, something I would not do if I were a homeowner because everything would freeze. But everything is thawing out nicely. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's cold here too in Charlotte. It's 41. We're, we're actually struggling. Yeah, so. that's not good for you guys. 41 in Charlotte's pretty cold, right? Just <laughs> you get down to like 50 at the lowest, right? It's it's freezing. My, my wife just, I mean, you would have thought she came in from the Arctic Circle when she came home this morning from something. She went out for a little while. Um, and she's from New Hampshire, so she's totally, her blood's thinned out completely. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get used to it, sure. Well, I was uh, I was getting coffee on my way back. I was waiting in the car, and I thought, wow, it's really cold. Hot coffee's going to be great. And I saw a lady come out with a drink carrier, had three drinks in it. Two of them were iced. She had a, a wrap, <laughs> a straight iced coffee, and then some, some like, coffee or hot chocolate <laughs> or something in the other one. And then the lady after her who walked out, was wearing uh, like flat shoes or whatever, but she wasn't wearing socks and she had pants on that were a couple inches off the, the tops of her feet. So, I mean, clearly I'm just a baby. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm not handling it well. Everybody else here is fine. So I, I'm, I maybe have to leave at some point. Yeah, I, I think uh, I saw you tweeted something out of how expensive it was to live in San Diego. And yeah, I can imagine days like this, you think about it. So you really think hard. You're mm-hmm. like, well, it might cost three times as much, but I'm never going to be this cold ever again. Right. All right, folks. Um, football wrap up. Many of you have uh, hopefully won some fantasy championships. That would be good. 
Um, one takeaway, we're going to review week 16 just a bit. One takeaway that I wanted to talk about, I've been banging the drum all year with the idea, and it's not just me, it's not like I made it up, but that Kirk Cousins was going to become the highest paid player in the NFL come uh, March. I'm having second thoughts about that. I think it might be Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, I was going to say, because of Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I was on this podcast on Friday saying that I thought the line was wrong in the other direction, so I feel extra smart today. <laughs> But Kirk Cousins is going to get paid too. I mean, this is this is a yeah. situation where the league has half as many quarterbacks as it probably needs right now. And if you are in that top fifteen, in that top sixteen, well, you're going to get paid because there's plenty of demand for your services right now. And with Garoppolo, I thought this would be the week where we could finally pump the brakes a little bit. Instead, you're just left kind of wondering. Well, okay, if he's this good with these weapons, how much better will he be when they upgrade the pieces around him? I mean, is there a top six quarterback here next year? I think I saw one of the good follows I have is running this poll right now, and it was like, where are you drafting Jimmy Garoppolo? And the options were seventh round or earlier, and then eighth, ninth, and tenth round, I think, were the other three. And seventh round or earlier – was running away with that. And I assume most people out there playing leagues that are 10 to 12 teams. So that means he's a top 85 player already because we're all assuming that with a relatively early draft pick with money to spend in free agency, that San Francisco will do a lot to not only pay Jimmy Garoppolo, but to bring in a lot of help for him at wide receiver and tight end. Right. And the, and the other thing about this is that when, when we talked about cousins being that highest paid player, Part of that had to do with San Francisco being an option for him, mm-hmm. and that's not anymore, or most likely. I mean, you know, there there are circumstances under which you know Garoppolo could become a free agent, but it's almost impossible at this point. And the Niners could uh, franchise tag him. Um, what is it? The exclusive franchise tag, which which is uncommon, but possible here if they couldn't come to an agreement. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cousins, I don't know. Jets. Um, I mean, Cleveland would be the, Cleveland's an obvious consideration depending on what they think of the the guys in the draft um famous original franchise tag or something yeah i, I don't know the franchise tag it's it is like the pizza in new york i think uh, i'm just thinking about pizza because you were talking about your pizza party again yes. 11 pizzas a new I, helping record i made 11 pizzas we had probably 50 people at the house we think um i made 11 seven seven uh plain cheese which, which is actually a mozzarella cheddar mixture on that and then uh four white clam and then they went over great. I had people kind of cut in front of each other for the clam. <laughs> yeah, like people, one guy caught me at the oven and said, hey, I need two before they go out to everybody. I go, OK. <laughs> right. You know, waiting online and asking when I was getting another one and kids coming in, you know, saying their parents needed one. So when's the next one coming out? It was kind of a little bit of pressure. A little competitive. It's kind of like a, a rare beer release. You have to start giving out like tickets or vouchers or something and yep. you know, keeping things uh, nice and orderly. Yeah, but there, there's still plenty of teams that are, are looking for that guy. And, you know, I think when you uh, you look at a team like Arizona, they'd probably be in the market, too, just because Carson Palmer's at that point mm-hmm. where he could be a salary cap casualty. Uh, San Francisco is going to probably retain Garoppolo. But Cousins will have at least four or five teams bidding pretty aggressively for his services, I think, when we flip the calendar to 2018. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward. Actually, I, I thought last week that – Talking about Garoppolo, I don't know if it was with you or or Tim or Jake, but talking about how Garoppolo was going to be the no, most annoyingly hyped player in 2018, and I, I hadn't even the impact of it is just growing by the day. You know, it's oh just, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I said, oh, is he going to be a top twelve quarterback? Now, absolutely. I don't, I don't have any doubt at this point. And last week, I did. So. It, it's just because I think we really do hold the Jacksonville defense in high regard, and it's just been pretty much a constant from him since he started playing about a month ago. Right. Uh, the other thing that it's also done, it has gone to max stupidity in terms of the types of conversations they're going to have uh, on a lot of sports talk shows, including such great topics as did the Patriots screw up by letting Jimmy Garoppolo go via trade and <laughs> keeping Tom Brady? It's like – we're going to start second guessing that already. I mean, like that's 
you need a lot to go wrong for the Patriots before you can even really have that conversation because Brady could play well for another couple of years. They can find another Jimmy Garoppolo. Seems to be a, a talent they have in New England. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's looked okay at times, even on a bad Colts team. So I think if we start doubting New England's ability to make good decisions with their personnel, I think we've gone a little too far. I think we should just focus on the player they traded away looking at his future, getting excited about having another great quarterback to watch because we need that. We need teams to have good quarterbacks. It makes the league so much better yes. on a week-to-week basis. Has has Undisputed not had that conversation yet about how the Patriots are failures and Belichick's past his prime because they traded Jimmy Garoppolo? They have not had touched on that topic? You might be shocked to learn this, but I have never watched Undisputed oh, in my life, and I will never I will never do it. Not, I mean, if it accidentally comes on because something on Fox Sports won, like a, a game the night before or something was on, I'm immediately on the cable box flipping it to anything. Yeah. I don't I don't care what it is or at least hitting the mute button first and then finding another show to watch. And uh, yeah, it's it's never going to happen for me. So <laughs> they could they could be talking about anything under the sun and I will be oblivious to it unless they drop it in their commercials. That's the funny thing about that show. The commercials will get. 50 times the ratings because they run the commercials during actual games on Sunday. But other than that, no one, no one watches that show. Right. I agree. I agree. I'm with you. I know. All right. Enough of that. Um, folks, here's what we're going to do. We are going to review week 16 a bit. We are going to preview week 17 a bit for those of you still playing. Uh, if you have any questions for us, if you're still playing in week 17, or if you want to talk about the off season or, you know, my pizza or Derek's cold weather or whatever. Derek's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get the player updates, the news feed at Rotowire NFL. Um, all right, let's go. Let's do week 16 first. Um, quarterback Jared Goff was, was a monster. I, I whiffed on that. I told everybody who would listen, don't play like Jared Goff. I don't like the spot. And he was great. And he threw four touchdowns and he was terrific. Bortles paid off too. Bortles was more of a, he was more of a garbage time guy. I know he had two touchdowns when the game was still, reasonable but the yardage was piled up in 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 uh second half dink dunk stuff and he had three picks and i i don't feel as bad about my shorting of blake bortles i feel like someone should photoshop bortles onto a 2015 wine label because that was classic that was vintage blake bortles garbage time and san francisco was in control of that game throughout uh, i was part of that late afternoon block on sunday Right around the time I had to go to a family function, but as I was tracking that game, it was just like I was stunned <laughs> as I was watching it along. I'm like, "What is going on?" I, I look, I I expressed some concerns about Bortles on Friday. I think those concerns are still valid. I think we were looking at a guy who is good enough with that defense to do damage in the playoffs, but it comes down to their defense making enough big plays to beat the likes of a Pittsburgh and or a New England. And those are going to be in hostile road environments. So in addition to Bortles not making mistakes, I think he's dependent upon his supporting cast to really step up and just make those critical plays that can swing games because I don't think he by himself is that good to do it. Yep. Um, Otherwise, Nick Foles flopped. Um, that was that was a rough one. He was 163 yards with a touchdown and a pick. Um, Dak Prescott. I actually thought Dak was going to have a nice day with Zeke back, and he didn't. He just got nothing done. Um, Seahawks stepped up. Dak was no touchdowns, two picks, uh, 182 yards. It was just not good. Um, running back Todd Gurley is Todd Gurley, and whenever I think about fantasy MVP. I, th- I mean, you, there's there's two ways to skin this cat, obviously. One is who was the best player and the other one who was the best value, like who, was, who made the biggest impact on fantasy seasons. And a lot of times you can find a guy fifth or sixth round that was just, you know, carry people. Is Todd Gurley, considering where he was drafted, probably the fantasy MVP? Yeah, because I think even the most aggressive owners weren't going to take him any earlier than the one-two turn. Like mm-hmm. that was that was where the, the Todd Gurley truthers – we're getting him and good on them because that's a that's a huge boost to your team to have a guy that's probably going to go first overall in a good number of drafts. I mean, I think we'll see 
Le'Veon Bell, depending on the situation, whether he re-ups in Pittsburgh or goes somewhere else, there's a decent chance he'll be in that conversation. But the yards per carry number for Gurley has been better than Bell by a decent margin, 4.7 yards per carry and catching a lot of passes too. Gurley's basically become the number one running back, and I think he's put a little bit of distance between himself and Le'Veon Bell and a healthy David Johnson when we look ahead to next season. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, this is a guy that I really like coming out of Georgia. I had no great explanation for what happened to him last year. And we knew that the Rams made a lot of changes, the head coach, adding two receivers from the Bills with Watkins and Woods, adding offensive line help, you know, another year of development for Goff. All those factors were, were good. But if we all thought that Todd Gurley was definitely the guy he was as a rookie, he would have been going in the middle of round one instead of the end of round one. So I think there is a lot of uh, merit to his fantasy MVP case. I mean, I think it, I think it does come to the player who was the best player in fantasy. And I, I think he's the guy that's also showed up pretty big down the stretch as well uh, with you know two touchdowns, uh, 158 yards in receiving yardage alone against the Titans, but also uh, the four combined touchdowns in week 15 against Seattle. I mean, in the two biggest weeks of the year, he's had monster games too. So that's really put a lot of people over the top. Yes. He, he, he certainly, his owners, if he got his owners to the playoffs, which in most cases he did, he certainly probably carried a lot of them to fantasy championships. And I, I think the, the alternative argument here, if you were looking at the value player instead of the best player would probably be Alvin Kamara. Based yep. on you know, he was going what twelfth round in some cases, and you know, he was he's the I'm looking at Yahoo. He's the number three PPR running back. Uh, I do want to talk to you about what you said a minute ago about Gurley over Bell. I don't know. I think I still want Bell. I I, I think the the difference is the touchdowns mainly because the yardage is pretty darn close. I mean, it's within over yards from scrimmage. I think it looks like the difference is about 150 yards. Um, but Bell, 21 more receptions. He's got 11 touchdowns to Gurley's 19. That's a tough one for me. Like, I think if, if you're telling me I have to pick number one right now and I'm going to pick one of these guys, I think I'm going with Bell. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I mean, I think what the, the concern will be, the narrative probably going into draft season for 2018 will be Le'Veon Bell had 300 and I'm guessing he's going to get another 15 to 20 carries in, in week 17 potentially. Let's say he has 340 regular season carries. He finishes with 90-plus catches, and then he plays a few playoff games. He might be close to 500 touches, depending on how many playoff games the Steelers play. Right. Which, and we're going to freak out about that upon further review, because we're going to look at guys that had 450-plus touches in a season, and we're going to see probably consistent declines in efficiency. You tack that on to the step back he's already taken – on a yardage per carry basis. And I, I just think you're going to see people back off a little bit in full PPR leagues. He's still going to be very safe. The other question will be whether or not he changes teams. I mean, if Pittsburgh doesn't right. give him a long-term deal, does he go to a team that force feeds him as a pass catcher the way the Steelers do? Or does he land on a team that has a more competent backup running back because they want that efficiency to tick back up? He'll still be an early first round pick no matter what. And he'll be a guy that's in the conversation for the first overall pick. But I think you're going to have a few different factions out there. You're going to have the Le'Veon Bell people that are just adamant that he's still the best player because of that usage. And you're going to have some who are going to say, I want to be a year early perhaps on his actual decline because I'm worried about this workload that he had in 2017. All right. Other uh, guys I want to talk about from week 16, CJ Anderson, so last few years, C.J. Anderson's been a guy who's been a bit of a he, – he's been a letdown. You know, two years ago, I think we were – in 2015, I think people were ready for him to bust out and it didn't happen. It still hasn't happened. Last year, he had some injuries and everything. And this year, people said, maybe he'll bounce back. But, you know, the cost was lower. And, and his year was disappointing. But the last three weeks have been different. I mean, the workload's been there the last, last four, let's say. Um, I mean, week 14 was a disappointment. Last week, 34 and 58. This week, 16 for 88 on the ground uh, with a touchdown and also had seven catches for 45 yards. Are, are you buying a C.J. Anderson resurgence here? And does this change your mind about him for next year? Is he a no-go for you? Or is he, I mean, you know, we're, we're going to look at this and he's going to probably be over 1,000 yards or clo- right around it. And we're going to, maybe we buy back in next year in the fourth round or so? 
I don't know if I want him in the fourth round, but I think a lot's going to hinge on where he's playing. So whether he stays in Denver and they upgrade the quarterback situation or whether he ends up being uh, a guy that moves on to their team, the lack of touchdowns, especially the last two years, I mean, you can trace that back to last year missing some time and playing pretty hobbled. And this year, just being in one of the league's most disappointing offenses because they they have nothing at quarterback. Like they're they're one of the teams that's desperate for help right now. You could see them scoring eight, maybe ten touchdowns over a full season, just in a league average offense. He's probably not going to end up in a Pittsburgh, a Green Bay, a situation where you have a team that's kind of scores at will. So I think he's more of like a a sixth rounder that you feel okay about. The kind of I'm going to wait for my RB two. Maybe get him as an early flex. I could see him kind of fitting there, but I don't see myself drafting him much earlier than that because I think there's still some durability concerns sprinkled in. Like even though he's played at least 15 games in three of the last four seasons, it just seems like he's always dinged up, always in the injury report, always kind of fighting to get the full share of the carries. He's okay as a pass catcher, not great. Just kind of checks all the boxes as a competent runner. I think he's very team dependent. So. We'll have to see what happens between now and, and May before I make the final call. But I, I think he's about two rounds later than, than the fourth round. Okay. Um, the last situation I want to talk about is uh, the Texans played the Steelers Monday and got their butts kicked, certainly. But uh, Alfred Blue outran Lamar Miller. And Al- Alfred, you, you can't – it makes you worry about Lamar Miller. I mean, if you're playing week 17, it's got to make you worry. For next year, I mean, I know we're probably a little down on Lamar Miller compared to where we've been the last couple of years, but you, you can't look at Alfred Blue is just not that good, right? I, it, does this do anything for you? What happened yesterday? You look at the numbers and, you know, Blue is over 100 yards. Do you say, hey, what's going on here? Does it intrigue you at all? You know, thinking, thinking about next year with Deshaun Watson under center. I think having Deshaun Watson, depending on what they have in the backfield next year, if they went with the exact same combo, I'd feel pretty good about Miller as a guy that could do similar things to what I would expect from C.J. Anderson, really, where you don't have monster workload. You get some receptions, but not RB1 volume as a pass catcher. And I think with Watson as a quarterback that has the running threat, you know, he opens up so much because you have to defend every play a little bit differently. And I think with Miller, the concern you're always going to have is that he's kind of worn down in each of his two years as a workhorse. He's probably going to be used as more of like a 13 to 15 carry guy week in and week out in an effort to keep him fresh. And I wonder if Houston's the kind of team that looks at him and just says, you know what, now that we have Deshaun Watson, we don't need to pay top dollar for a running back. We can get a rookie running back who gets a ton per carry and is more fresh, relatively speaking. I mean, Lamar Miller, he's not old, but he got into the league at such a young age, easy to forget. This is his sixth year in the NFL already. So the wear and tear on him might be a little greater than we'd expect. I kind of think he's the sort of player that might be trending into that backup sort of role sooner rather than later, kind of a a James Stark sort of player in the latter part of his career. And that, that may be coming up like in 2018 as opposed to 2019 or 2020. All right. And, and th- that Texan situation uh, certainly depends on Deontay Foreman and how he recovers from his Achilles injury. So there's no guarantee that he's going to be ready. If he's ready, you would think that he might be the guy to step in there. Um, a wide receiver from week 16. Julio had a nice week. We're talking last week about how, you know, what a frustrating player Julio is. And um, one of his big weeks was there. So now, okay, so I'm going to look up his numbers here for the season. So for all my complaining last week about Julio Jones and how frustrating he is to own, he's inconsistent and this and that, he's at 83 receptions for 1,364 yards and only three touchdowns, which is partly the frustrating part. But he's, he's going to be over 1,400, and I'm sitting here whining about it. It's, I mean, it's a game where touchdowns are critically important, though. That's just the way fantasy is built. And three is you look at like three touchdowns this year versus six last year and the yardage being about the same. You're like, okay, still the same guy. Like three touchdowns over a season is a really big deal. And when you only scored six the year before, you were already on thin ice. And then you'd look at the fact that he's had four games where he's gone over 100 yards. But the 253 yard game with the two touchdowns. 
is so much production lumped into one week that in a head-to-head game where total points are generally not nearly as important for the season as just winning each week, he's one of the most bizarre players ever because yeah. the floor is great, the end result is always fine, and then you you look at yourself. Every Julio Jones team I've ever had, I look at it at the end of the year and I'm like, oh, I'm about 500. Or a game or two, sometimes even a game below 500. And I'm, I'm mad because I look through it. I don't really see any gaping holes on those teams. And he's part of the reason. Right. Because you win by 50 the week he has his best game. You might win by 10 or 15 the weeks where he has his other kind of big games. And you lose a bunch of games because the guy you tied up a, a huge part of your auction budget in or a late first-round pick in gives you like a replacement-level line. <laughs> Like, look against Buffalo. I know he got hurt that week, but three catches for 30 yards and right. a four for 66 against the Bears this year, a six for 57, a two for 24. I mean, Xavier Rhodes shut him down. The Bucks shut him down in week 15. It, it's really strange. I mean, he's he is more like Andre Johnson than I ever wanted to admit. I think List was on that maybe even two years ago now. And I hate to give him credit for that, but he's exactly right. This this high volume player who gets a ton of yards, doesn't score enough, and genuinely like lets you down from a head to head perspective is he's a maddening great player to own from a fantasy standpoint. And look at the look at the PPR production. He's under sixteen points per game in full PPR. I know that's like not that bad in the grand scheme of things, but it's bad for a guy you drafted in the first round who had three consecutive seasons where he averaged at least 20 per game. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I, he, he's one of those guys I can, it, I'm not going to be drafting. I have a feeling for, for the foreseeable future. Um, Keelan Cole, six for one Oh eight on 13 targets. And again, there was, there was an, there was an element of garbage time to that game. Not, Totally garbage time, but, you know, they fell behind late. Um, last two weeks, Keelan Cole, 22 targets, 13 catches, uh, 294 yards. Is he legit? Is he, I mean, someone next year we're going to, with Marquise Lee back, Allen Robinson could be back. Um, he's free agent though, right? Allen Robinson's a free agent, just like Devontae Adams. Same same draft class. Yeah. So, yeah, they'd, they'd be available. So, it's, is Keelan Cole someone you're looking at now after the last couple of weeks and going, hmm, maybe? Maybe there's a future there. Maybe next year I, you know, I, I look at him differently. Totally possible. I'm trying to think of a, a comp from from the free, from last year. Is he going to get drafted the way Tyrell Williams got drafted, where he kind of popped up as this number one, looked really good doing it, and then kind of pulls the rug out from underneath us, has some good games in 2018, you know, has the number one receiver come back, whether that's Lee or Robinson. I don't know if they look at him as a true number one. Right. I don't think it's like an Adam Thielen where we're going to be saying, oh, wow, we should have been on this guy earlier uh, than we were. Because with Thielen, there was a there was a pretty nice discount, relatively speaking, in drafts this year. I know he let people down this week, especially with the matchup against the Packers. I'm going to be inclined to say that Keelan Cole probably goes like round nine, round ten of drafts, a little less hype than Tyrell Williams because – I don't know. I think with Tyrell Williams, there was there were some things about him. The measurables were a little bit better than Keelan Cole that that led people to be more aggressive. So I, I can see him going at like the nine ten turn, uh, kind of your fourth wide receiver maybe. And if that's the price, and there's not a major major shift in what they do, like let's just say Robinson's back and, and Lee's there, it's kind of their number three entering the year. They don't use their tight ends much. I could see him being okay because of his big playability. Got it. Okay. And yeah, it's going to depend on how that team shakes out, certainly. Um, other ones from week 16. Corey Davis, finally. Thank you. Like this, if, if he had 6 or 91 on nine targets, I mean, it wasn't a spectacular day, but it, basically, if he'd had this day in, you know, week 10 when I was all over him, it would have been nice. But he waited till now, and, you know, he's dead to me. For right now, I don't want to. Even, I don't want to talk about Corey Davis anymore. Um, okay, how did this? Happen? Did you watch any Redskins Broncos? I didn't, but mm, I, I didn't get to see that weird, bizarre. Um, Jake Latarski's best friend, Josh Doxson. How did he only get two catches on thirteen targets? How's that, that possible? 
That's going to be one of the things as Mario writes up his film review article this week. I hope he covers that because yeah. one, I don't want to rewatch that game. Like I, that if you said rank the games from this week in the order in which you'd like to rewatch them, that one's got to be near the bottom of the list. Oh yeah. Two for 13. That's like a Mari Cooper esque. I mean, that's like, <laughs> wow. Like I, Doxson is a weird player because I think he's really talented. I think the health was still maybe a little bit of a problem for him this year. At least they were trying to get him the ball. But yeah, I mean, think about it. Like Harris, Talib, probably some combination of those two switching off on him on the outside. May have just been really good coverage. But I, I, where where were these balls going? Was 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 Kirk Cousins just throwing passes like six feet over his head because he wanted to throw it that way, but was afraid? Like I, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I got to find this out. Um, speaking of Mark Cooper, by the way, he had a touchdown last night and he had another big play called back by a penalty in, in my um, in, in a haze where I basically, as I told you before, start, I think I fell asleep at nine o'clock last night. I was so exhausted. Mark um, Cooper had had one. And he caught a ball and he almost got in the end zone. He got tackled at the two yard line or something and they called it back. So that way he would have been over 100, I think, or right around then. It was just been, you know, all the fantasy people who got burned by Mark Cooper would have been angry that he finally did something in week um, in, in week 16. Um, tight ends, uh, the one, two guys I want to talk about. Antonio Gates. How about that? Hunter Henry on, an, on IR. They said last week there would be some sort of committee at tight end with Gates on passing downs. Six for 81 and a touchdown. Phillip Rivers loves him. Can't argue. Can't, can't fight Antonio Gates. You really can't. Uh, I was kind of surprised we didn't get a little more out of Keenan Allen, five for 63 from him in that same game. But I would never have projected Antonio Gates for more than 40 yards. I mean, yeah, maybe you can give him like a, a half touchdown at most. But even that, I think, would have been a little bit aggressive based on how sparingly he'd been used in recent weeks. They got that connection, though. I mean, Rivers to Gates, is it's just really stable when those opportunities are there. Might be the last touchdown pass he ever catches, though. I mean, it's, you never know. Still, still at least one game left, maybe more for the Chargers. But what a player. I mean, what a fun player when he broke into the league, too. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely catching a touchdown in Week 17. Come on. You think it's a lock? <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's probably, there's probably some decent odds on that. You probably get him at, like, plus 300 at least. Yep. Three to one minimum on, on Gates' score. Uh, I, I'll take that for week seven. He's 37 years old. Yeah. But if they're in the red zone, Rivers is throwing to him. And they're playing yeah. someone bad this week, right? They're playing Raiders? They're, they're playing, playing the Raiders. Raiders at home. Yep. Um, the other guy I want to talk about, by the way, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron is up to tight end 11 in PPR on Yahoo for the season. Just saying. So, so lovely, isn't it? Like oh way, gosh. way later than you'd ever want. Eric Ebron shows up and... I remember him as one of the guys we talked about a lot during draft season. I know Mario liked him. I think you were on him too. I thought he was interesting if you played the weight on a tight end game. I think it was because at the time I wasn't as wasn't as bullish on Kenny Galladay in year one as some people were. I, I understand why people like Galladay. Easy to see. Size, speed, all very interesting. But I just thought the red zone targets in particular would be safe for Ebron. He's a former first rounder. The Lions would want to try to get a lot out of him this year. Even though he's played well down the stretch, this is still not a great season for him. He's at 52 catches, 565 yards, four touchdowns, 80 targets, 7.1 yards per target. So he's still like a mix and match tight end two as we look ahead to next season. And if all three of those top receivers are all there and healthy, you really can't project that much more on him in terms of usage, can you? Uh, I don't think you can. So, but I mean, yeah, you're going to take this guy. If you want to tell me, I, I can draft him as my eighth or ninth or tenth tight end. I might do it. So, but yeah, maybe like a best ball where you're going to draft three, and you only get the best games. You don't have to ever try to think through when you want to use them. Right. Twenty catches the last three weeks though is pretty impressive, and he's got like 210 yards, two touchdowns. Maybe twenty six targets during that span, right? But I, I can't, I can't project anything resembling that usage over a full season. Um, speaking of tight ends, twenty the other positions, you look and you see some weird names. You know, you, let's say you look at running back and David Johnson wasn't there, and you've got Alvin Kamara in there, and you look at wide receiver, 
And it's not bad, but, you know, OBJ got hurt and he's out. And you got a guy like Adam Thielen cracking the top 10 and all that. The tight ends, if you look at the top 10, it's pretty chalky. Here, I'm going to read you the top 10 PPR. And, and this could be, I, I'm reading it in a, in a format that I think is pretty normal. Kelsey, Gronk, Ertz, Ingram, maybe a little higher than you thought, but he was in the mix for, for a t- tight end one. Walker, Graham, Rudolph, Jack Doyle, Witten, Brait, Ebron, Hunter Henry. I mean, that's pretty. Witten, Witten again up on that list yeah. against all odds. I mean, that's pretty chalky right there. There's not surprises. Those are guys you drafted. I bet 10 of them were drafted. Nine of them are drafted as top 12 tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, it's it's a physically demanding position where you just expect to have some attrition year over year. And there was some. Tyler Eifert got hurt again. Martellus Bennett in Green Bay didn't work out at all. I mean, yeah. you, you think about things that you're pretty confident in back in draft season. For me, that was one of them. I thought – this is a great fit. This is the best tight end they've had since Drew Michael Finley. I think Bennett is more athletically gifted than Finley was. Uh, better hands. All, all of that seemed like it was going to be great. And I think a weird, weird combination of factors all kind of came together and, and turned it into a total disaster. And, of course, the the news around his, uh, his injuries or whatever when he left the Packers, all that was really bizarre, too. And just one of the worst fits ever. And right. there was no warning sign of that from the start. It just seemed like it'd be a great fit for him. But he dropped a few passes early. He had to block a lot because they were missing offensive linemen. So I think he was probably the biggest tight end bust of the year. And I think Hunter Henry, for for the expectations being as high as they were, we knew Gates was going to be a factor, especially early in the year, trying to break the touchdown record for tight ends. But Hunter Henry was pretty inconsistent too even though the efficiency was great 9.3 yards per target from a tight end it's going to steer people right back to him again he's only going to be 23 entering his third season he had two donuts in the first three weeks he had a two for 11 against new england in week eight a one for seven against jacksonville in week 10 a two for 25 against the bills he crushed fantasy owners like there were some games that he pulled you back in you'd start him and then he'd just bag over the head, punch you in the face with a crap game the next week. <laughs> You're right. He certainly did. And people are going to be all over him, like you said, next year. You're right. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans with new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. All right. Week 17 is always quirky. I know last year I made some money with Rex Burkhead in week 17. So there's, there's angles here. Based on the playoff stuff, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, there's angles here for increased playing time for people. I got to I'm going to look at quarterback right here. I'm looking at the quarterback list and I go, yeah, Russell Wilson, probably fine. Brady up there. Yeah, good. Whatever. I'm scrolling down. Jimmy G. I'm passing Jimmy G. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco at 7,300 is probably somewhere between 15th and 20th as far as most expensive. Last four weeks on FanDuel, 18.66, 17.76, 21.82, 17.28. And they are home for the someone bad again. Um, The Ravens are home for the Bengals in in a game in which a win gets them into the playoffs. I think another strong week from Joe Flacco is looking pretty good. I can't believe I would agree with that, but I I am. And I had... uh had a season-long share of Flacco in the Stopa Law Firm League, two-quarterback league. It didn't go well because most of his season was terrible. I think he's at least good enough to make his layups, and this is another layup given the state of that Bengals team right now. And as you mentioned, it's you know winning they're in for the Ravens. I think the game times are all adjusted too, so the, team, the teams that have stuff to play for are all going in that 425 Eastern block, aren't they? Pretty much. Um, there are teams, the only two that don't fit that description are the Steelers and Pats going at one o'clock who basically have the number one seed to play for. And that's only if Steelers win and Pats lose with Pats are playing home for the Jets, Steelers playing home for the Browns. Otherwise you've got basically, I mean, the Vikings are, are they locked into the two? They're not locked into the two, but if they lose, they can lose the two to the, no, they, they get it for the Rams, right? Hold, please. I don't want to get into <laughs> that. I have it written down. Do, um, do, 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 
do, do, do, do, do, do, do, Vikings do, are not do. locked into the two. I'm going to read it right now. Um, they could lose the, if the Saint if the Vikings lose the Saints lose and the Panthers win the Panthers could get the two. Okay, so that's how it could work. The Rams can't get the two, but because they have a they would lose a tie with the Vikings, but the Panthers could jump and get the two. So um, that's the only way. Anyway, so who's totally locked in? The Jags are the three seed in the AFC, no matter what, right? right? They can't catch anybody. You're you're jumping ahead on me, Derek. Oh, I have sorry. an outline. Damn it. I, I know it's on another tab. Only got one screen going right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk FanDuel real quick. Um, Wayne Gallman, I want to talk about. He's 5,100 on FanDuel. The last three weeks, he's got 20 receptions. 20. This is good. How many, how many points did the Giants score on Sunday? They scored zero. 0.0. 0. Uh-huh. Yeah. Eli's going out in style, though. This is—he's going out with all the the grace you you want from a, a two-time Super Bowl winning franchise legend. Oof. Do you know? It's funny. I, I like mentioning a lot that my dad has been a Giants fan for sixty years, and he was looking last week, and he's saying the last thing I want is for them to win this game and have him play well. <laughs> because I don't want anyone to get suckered in to this idea that maybe next year things could be okay. That way. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it came crashing down as, as many people expected. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to buy in after that game against the Eagles. And he was as disappointing as I'd expected against Arizona. Yes. And I thought I'd ever root against Eli, but we don't want to think that he's the answer. Giants fans. All right. The other weird one, does it surprise you on FanDuel for Week 17? So, the, so we talked about the Vikings. They're home for the Bears. That Stefan Diggs is more expensive than Adam Thielen. I think it, it makes sense to me in the sense that prior to the last couple games of last season, there was really no doubt in my mind that Stefan Diggs was better than Adam Thielen. Right. So I, I'm wondering how much of – how much of your belief that Diggs should cost less this week is like recency bias? I, 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 they might just be like kind of equal in terms of talent, and it's going to fluctuate just based on recent production. That's how the prices will always go for them. I mean, back-to-back weeks where Diggs has scored 14 targets, 10 catches, only 90 yards, conditions were terrible for passing. It was so cold in Green Bay on Saturday night. But that game was pretty much as I described it, right? Like that, that that's what I said it was going to be yes, like. Yes, you did. And the the miserable prophecy of week 16 was fulfilled. Uh, so I, don't I, th- know. I think the rec- I think the pricing is the rec- is a two week recency bias thing. Thielen has just been much better this season. I know Diggs had some injury issues, but Thielen has just been much better. And and now all of a sudden digs off a couple of good weeks is price higher. I mean, it's, it's a small difference, but I, I think if you ask me to pick one or the other, I, I'm, I'm picking Thielen without blinking. The Bears continue to do a pretty good job against number one receivers too. So I don't know if, if that is at all calculated in FanDuel's pricing structure where Thielen gets dinged a little bit as you know the more target-centric number one receiver in that offense. I don't know if that's at all a consideration. Uh, but with Thielen... Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. I, I I liked him a lot going into that Green Bay matchup. Two catches on six targets, 24 yards. He's actually had three pretty disappointing games in the last four weeks. One of those guys that puts you in a good position heading into the playoffs and, and may have been part of a, a swift exit. If he didn't knock you out in the semifinals, he may have been the reason you lost in week 16. Very possible. Three for 30 and two for 24 the last two weeks. Um, finally, uh Antonio Gates and his guaranteed touchdown are 5,700 on FanDuel for week 17. If you'd like to check out that Sunday million. So to take advantage of our special offer for new users, over two and a half million players won cash prize plan on FanDuel, by the way. Uh, special offer. Sign up today. FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription that gets you into baseball season and football draft season and all that stuff. Um, you get that subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday million, which offers more than a million dollars in cash prizes. And that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com dot com slash rw void where prohibited thanks fanduel all right now we can get to the playoffs sorry to back you off there for a minute but 
we're going to talk about who is in a weird spot, is, can be resting people, blah, blah, blah. First up is the Jags, who you mentioned. The Jags are the number three seed. They So people we need to worry – Leonard Fournette's front and center of people we need to worry about this week, of, of a guy who's, who just might not play. He shouldn't shouldn't play a snap. He's had ankle trouble off and on this year. I mean, I don't think Bortles plays a snap in that game either. Realistically, they could they could just sit all their key guys down and pretty much run it like a preseason game if they want to. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not play that guy. And and the tight and I mean, and the Titans are going to be going for it because if they win, they're in. So they oh. are going to be playing hard. So Malarkey. Malarkey might back into the playoffs because the Jags are locked into the three seed and they're going to rest players. That would be such a malarkey way to make the playoffs and save the job. That is horrible. Yeah. Now I want the Jags to just play everybody. Just, just, but if you're the Jags, you want Mike Malarkey to stay. So that's even more incentive to sit guys. Actually, now I, I hadn't thought about this until just now. If these guys, these two teams here, things go the way you think they're going to go, the Titans win this game and then they play each other again next week? Yeah, that, that's happened with uh, Packers and Lions yeah. before. I think it's happened with Packers, Vikings. It's weird to have teams play back-to-back weeks, especially – well, sometimes it happens where like the division's at stake and – they play it out twice. I mean, that's that's pretty weird when that happens. Pretty unusual. But yeah, I mean, I, if you're the Jags, like I, I think you have every incentive just to to rest up and, and be as as physically right as you can be for that playoff game. Right. Um, those Jags running backs, by the way. If you're not, if you're looking at the idea that well, Fournette's going to be out. Well, Chris Ivory is 21% owned on Yahoo, and TJ Yeldon is 11% owned. No injury issues as far as I know with either of those guys. I mean, you got to think the offensive lineman might get rested too to a point, so who the heck knows how that game's going to go, and I wouldn't trust either one of those guys, but you absolutely wouldn't trust Fournette. The other thing about that game, um, even though Titans winning in, DeMarco Murray Knee injury sounds like he's not going to go. We're doing this on Tuesday. I'm talking about noon Eastern. But as we know right now, it sounds like DeMarco Murray's a bad bet to go. Derrick Henry is going to get all the work he can handle in this one. A lot of Derrick Henry. So if you are playing week 17, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that volume to tick up. Well, here it is. Ian Rapport saying, yeah, look, this point looks like Murray's not going to go. So good to get easy clarity on that one. Okay. Next up, Chiefs. Chiefs are the number four seed in the AFC. That's that. So all your chiefs who have been helping you, again, if you're playing in week 17, which many of you aren't, um, I think you got to be looking at, I mean, Hunt, uh, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Alex Smith, all of them. Just nope, 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 nope. Forget them if you're in a week 17. So um, and they are playing the home. They're home, right? They're, no, they're at Denver. At Denver. Thank you. Um, and that's another thing. Here's a weird one for that team. You would think. Ganging up on Paxton Lynch would be a great idea. It sounds like Paxton Lynch is going to go for the Broncos. You think, oh, Chiefs defense. Well, <laughs> I mean, not against a Chiefs team that's probably going to you know, take the week off. No, I mean, you could have Marcus Peters, Alex Smith, Kareem Hunt, and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Those five guys could all play very little or not at all. I'd be excited about Patrick Mahomes if it weren't at Denver. Like, yeah. I think Denver's corners, if they're just playing their usual play, and there's no reason why they wouldn't play everybody. If they're rolling those guys out there and there's no Tyreek Hill to mess up that defense, there's no Travis Kelsey, Mahomes seemingly has no chance to do anything. Right. Um, Eagles are the number one seed in the NFC. So you would think that Alshon Jeffrey is a risk. Zach Ertz is a risk. Um, Jay Ajayi, maybe. I mean, even Nick Foles, if you're still after, if you didn't give up on Nick Foles after uh, Monday, Nick Foles. Um, so this brings us back to Trey Burton, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's Nate Sudfeld potentially throwing in passes. Right. Okay. 
That's I, mean, I like Trey Burton, but part of the Burton appeal previously was when Carson Wentz was healthy. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> okay. Um, the Rams are either the three or the four. So they, they, they are a risk. Gurley and Goff. And, and you especially need to worry about this risk with the team that's playing next weekend. The team that has the bye even though the Eagles have clinched, you think sometime, maybe you got to get some snaps with a bye. If you know you're playing next weekend, I mean, how, how do the Rams play Todd Gurley at all? Can't. You can't do it. It's, it's too risky. There's no reason to. Take, take the fact that you're locked into your seed and, and treat week 17 as the first round bye that you didn't get. Right. And, and lest you think that, well, the Rams could be the three, they could drop a seed. I think I'd rather be the four because assuming that seeds hold, which you never assume, but let's say, let's for the sake of argument, assume that the seeds hold and that higher seeds win the wildcard week games. Would you rather go to Minnesota or Philly right now? Philly. Totally. No doubt about it. So yeah, I mean the Rams, Rams losing this game, they're going to shrug their shoulders and go, I don't care. It's we're probably better off. So um, you got to think right now. Okay, so Todd Gurley's backup is Malcolm Brown. That's where we are. Yep, Malcolm Brown would be the guy getting probably all the carries for the most part. All right, they're playing home for the Jimmy G's. So um, also, uh, I mean, and yeah, I know we didn't mention him, but Jared Goff, you got to think is a is a prime candidate to not play. So yeah. Who's the second string tight end? Where, what backup receivers can we find here? Gerald, Gerald Everett, anybody? I like Gerald Everett as a talent, too, so that, that, could make, that could make a decent amount of sense. Okay. I'm there. Gerald Everett, writing him down, putting him on the FanDuel um, possibility list. Could be Sean Mannion going into this game, probably, against Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Can you imagine if Garoppolo closes this out on, like, a five-game winning streak? Oh, my God. Mayhem. Fancy. You know who's you know who's a good play this week is Carlos Hyde against the Rams against the possibly resting Rams. Yeah, yeah. Unless, unless they go heavy Breida again, Breida got a lot of work against the Jags. That's a couple. That's a couple two three weeks in a row for Breida too. Getting a getting a bunch of work. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know if I get that, but whatever. Um, all right, other teams here we got to worry about players. Melvin Gordon's status is very shaky. He's not the unlikely to play like DeMarco Murray. It's just he's, he hurt his ankle against the Jets, and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, because we don't know, Brandon Oliver should be on your radar. If you own Melvin Gordon, um, Brandon Oliver should be a pickup this week. Nothing. Again, it's funny. With guys like this, you look and you go, am I sure that this guy's okay since I haven't heard of him in a while? But um, Brandon Oliver actually played a little bit the other day, and um, he, would, he would be your guy if Melvin Gordon can't go. Um, Joe Mixon got hurt again. That was no fun. Not that are you thinking of run on the Ravens? Are like if Joe Mixon can't play and Gio Bernard can and you can pick him up, do you want to play him at Baltimore? Uh, no, yeah. not really. I, I think that's a situation to avoid. Since the Ravens have something to play for, and the Bengals are already thinking about warm weather and playing golf. Playing playing golf is absolutely true. Those Bengals are. Yeah, I don't know what a mess. Um, all right, so as you, t- as you talked about, we've got a weird schedule. Seven 1 o'clock games. So there's no Saturday. There's no Thursday. There's no Monday. And there's now I want to talk to you about this. There's no Sunday night. We've got seven 1 o'clock games and nine 4 o'clock games. Basically, any game that meant something other than those Steelers-Patriots that we talked about, um, all, all the games that mean that have playoff implications were put in the same window. The NFL said it was for competitive balance reasons and whatever. But I was shocked. I get the rationale, but I was shocked that they basically said we're not doing a Sunday night game. Yeah, I mean, uh, nice to get that crew some time off. I think they got—I think they might have some, a playoff game the next week or something. They got to go do so. You know, it's one of those rare weeks where they're—they're they're not going that route. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, why can't we have this every Sunday? Like, what? Just just play all the games on Sunday, please. Like, look at you I, with that Real old school. I, I don't even I don't I don't even like Monday Night Football that much anymore. I don't know what it is about it. I, I just think you, you sweat out those last few players that are going. You sure half the time you know you have people going, the other half you know someone else 
going against you has those players. The Thursday thing is the first thing it has to go. Yeah. But I think you'd like Monday more if Thursday didn't exist. I know I would. Right. And, and I like everybody just have other things I'd like to do. And I I don't want to feel like I'm trapped into either watching the games start to finish or then having to rewatch them. If I don't get them when they happen live, like I just, I don't like that obligation. I, I like everything being concentrated on one day. If we could minimize it and go down to two from three, that would be great too. That'd be a huge step forward. And it's not really just from like a me working standpoint. I think it's just from a product standpoint. I just wonder if the apparent diminished interest in the NFL is the result of like just being kind of oversaturated with it. Like if it, if it were something we looked forward to more, the collective we, I mean, I, I, I like it enough as it is. If it were just one day a week or two days a week, would people be kind of more excited about it as it happened? I mean, this, the setup for Sunday, when you look at the schedule for week 17, yeah, there's a bunch of teams that have nothing to play for. That's red zone gold. Right. That's amazing. Like usually the problem with the red zone channel is that there are three games in the four o'clock hour. Right. And if any one of those games are, are bad, which often happens, then you only have two games flipping between and it's not even that exciting. Yeah. So it, it just kind of, I don't know, it just makes fantasy so top heavy Sunday. And then you get these little fragments of games you got to follow the rest of the week. I just, I don't like that. I, I don't like it either. And I like, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Sunday and seeing how that stuff goes. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be pretty focused on Panthers Falcons. But red zone is going to be interesting with some of them. Um, all right. So we got to talk about it for people playing week 17. We just want to talk about some uh, some free agent options. Jake and I usually go through this every Tuesday. Jake is off. Derek's here. And, you know, Derek, I mean, we, we, we think Derek's smart enough to contribute to this. Right. Everybody. Hopefully. I yeah. hope so. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks. All right. So are you going? Got, these are players who are widely available. Our threshold is usually 50 percent on Yahoo. Jimmy G at 29% owned at the possibly resting Rams mm. or Joe Flacco at 21% owned at home against the Bengals. I think with Jimmy G, they don't really have any reason to back off. The Ravens could just be running the ball a lot in that game. I, I just think there could be, there could be a little more volume for Garoppolo. So slight edge to Garoppolo. Okay. Um, I'm torn. I think I lean Flacco just because of the way he's been playing. Um, and I think the Ravens have become a very interesting playoff team. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, running back. Okay, the guys that I picked out here, Peyton Barber at 32% versus the Saints. He's home versus the Saints. I don't think this is the cupcake that some people might think it is for the Saints. Um, Wayne Gallman, who I mentioned earlier, at 10% versus the Redskins. And PPR might affect uh, versus standard might affect your decision there. Or Brandon Oliver, if there is no uh, Melvin Gordon for the Chargers at home against the Raiders. I think I'd go Brandon Oliver. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we knew. But the thing is, if you've got to make your pick up tonight and you don't know if Gordon's out, that's an issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Gallman's your number one priority if you're stacking him up right now. But I think Oliver's the guy that if, you know, waivers run and he's still out there, you feel pretty good about just stashing him away, having him at the ready. I mean, you got to think about how thin your lineups get in week 17 from all the guys that have nothing to play for. And it forces you to make some really odd waiver decisions at the last minute. But sometimes those pay off in a big way. I mean, stake leagues, total points. We play through week 17. Yeah. And every year – you just see the weirdest things happen on the last day because the, the middle the middle of the points are usually pretty tight. And with a few players missing, a few random guys sprinkle in, you can fall quite a bit or rise quite a bit in that last week. So I, I think that's a, that's a legitimate problem for people that play it out through week 17 with Gallman versus Barber versus Oliver. See, when I looked at the wire, I, m- I mentioned – I think I mentioned earlier on this last year, Rex Burkhead was the guy in week because the Bengals, you know, it was I think it was a meaningless game, but it was it, it wasn't against a team that was going to destroy them. It was kind of a meaningless both sides. I don't remember who they played. And Rex Burkhead was the last man standing in their backfield. And he had a huge week. 
I don't feel like at running back we have anybody like that here. I mean, I'm looking at the meaningless games. I mean, Alfred Blue at the Colts, maybe. I don't know. I mean, guys you could pick up, I, I don't see it here. I don't see that kind of guy. Brandon Oliver could be that guy if, if Gordon's out. But otherwise, we probably don't. You can't get Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, Peyton Barber at home against the Saints. Saints have a ton to play for. Kenny Drake's gone. There's, there's not a lot of these guys. There, there's not the, the, the Rex Burkhead analogy from last year. The, the comp is not really here. Um, wide receiver. I, don't, I hate the wide receiver options, too. I mean, Doxon. Do you want Doxon? I don't. It's okay. I mean, I could see myself having to do it in the stake league, potentially, depending on you know what's going on with my third option. I guess Keelan Cole is my third option right now, and I'm like, crap, he might not be able to really do anything right. coming off a huge game, which is disappointing. Uh, you, you've got the Jags maybe as a team to pick on, though. I, I could see the case for that. So, so could you go with the Titans wide receiver? I mean, Decker and Davis had decent games. Yeah, I, I think I think Davis especially. I think Decker's been so disappointing all year that I wouldn't I wouldn't project him for a lot, even in a good matchup right now. And whatever version of the Jags defense they're actually going to throw out there could end up being a good matchup. But his usage has been surprisingly low and unpredictable from week to week. All right. I mean, yeah, the other ones here in the one o'clock games in the Lions. No. Colts and Texans, no. Steelers, Browns. I mean, there's not the, – the, the answers don't appear to be here unless you want to reach at Roger Lewis against the Redskins. But, I mean, I don't know. No, thank you. No. Right. No, no not against those DBs. No. no. Um, tight end. We mentioned Trey Burton earlier, which is – it's a possibility. I know you, you said that, you know, depending – I mean, if it's Nate Sudfeld, that makes it interesting. Um, Charles Clay. Charles Clay is pretty widely available. Let me look up that. No, he's 9%. No, he's 35%. Sorry. But Charles Clay, last two weeks, 19 targets, nine catches. He's playing at the Dolphins, who I think have been getting beat up by opposing tight ends. And we can look that up right now. He's been in the last, let's say, six weeks. The Dolphins have. Eureka been the worst team against opposing fantasy tight ends. Mm. So Charles Clay might be your guy at tight end. I I don't mind that. I, I think Tyrod looks to him a lot. They don't have a lot of competition for targets. So that lines up pretty nicely. Yep. And that's a late game, too, because the Bills could get in. If the Titans lose, the Bills could get in. Let me see that scenario here. The, the Bills could get in with a win and a Ravens loss, but that's probably not going to happen. Or the Bills win, and then the Titans lose to the Jags, and the Chargers lose to the Raiders. Pretty unlikely for the Bills, it looks like. I mean, they're going to be playing for it, certainly. But um, defenses, if you're looking for a defense for Week 17, I think Redskins at the Giants, is, if as far as the available ones go, they're 39% owned. I don't think that's a half-bad bet. No, it doesn't look bad. All right. The other one, anyone? Okay, could you reach? Could you? Now, who's who's going to play quarterback for what, – what's the latest on TJ Yates? Do we know – hold on a second. I never saw an update on him. It didn't look good. So, I mean, he played he, – he came back. He came out for a while and came back in. That was for a concussion test, I guess. I thought he hurt his hand, but I guess it was actually a head injury. So, so he came – even if it's TJ Yates, they are at Indy. The Colts are 2% owned. I know the Colts aren't good. Uh, but it's TJ Yates on the road. I mean, you yeah. know, you're targeting quarterbacks more than you're playing the defense in most cases. So, I mean, he's bad. He's really bad. So you're looking for a 13 for 39 where DeAndre Hopkins gets 26 targets but catches all 13 of the passes that Yates completes. Yeah. And the Colts contain him to like 140 yards and a touchdown, but then they also pick him off a bunch of times. So Correct. That, 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 that all could happen. I think that's it's at least a plausible scenario. All right. I, 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 I agree with that. I think that's definitely with, with that quarterback, it's a very plausible scenario. All right. 
that's it for week 17. If you have any questions, if you have any, I, you know, free agent ideas, you're looking for pickups, whatever, um, tweet Derek at Derek Van Riper, uh, tweet me at jhalpin37. Um, listeners to our podcast, folks, can get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. You can check out nearly all the features on the site with that. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. What do we have going on this week? Is, is there a skeleton crew in the RotoWire office in Madison, or are we still, you know, gung-ho on helping everybody for week 17, for those crazy people playing through week 17? Still helping everybody. I think the pain waiver column is already up for the week, so that's out there. Mario's film review goes up later in the week. He's doing that through the very end. So that content plus uh, Jeff's weekly rankings also coming up. So everybody's maybe working remote, but uh, the content still still going to be there. Yep. Um, are we doing the Facebook Live Q&As? Jake's that, not today. I don't think we're doing those this week. Those right. might be done for the year. Got it. All right. Well, we will be back. Tim and I will be here on Thursday um, previewing the weekend schedule. Derek and I will wrap up the news on Friday, getting those of you again. You're going to play week 17. We're here for you. And again, on Twitter, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin37. Um, quick request. If you leave us reviews and ratings, we'll be very happy. We always ask uh, every time. We really like it. So if you could do that, um, that, that would be great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by FanDuel. As I said, Tim Heaney and I will be here on Thursday previewing the week 17 schedule. So come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.